Oh, hello, eh? Excited to see Mary Poppins. Blimey, she's awful happy to see you at Epcot. This is... Wait, what's this? You're, you're canceling the project? Uh, I could stop the horrible Cockney accent? What was the project anyways? A fucking flat ride? Oh, come the fuck on! This is such horseshit! Mary Poppins waits all this goddamn time and that's what you're willing to spend? You cheap assholes! I hope you all burn the cheapest Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to another episode of Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are you doing? Hello, hello. I'm I'm here and I'm excited. Perfect. (laughs) All right. Uh, But today we have a very special guest, uh, the creator of Some Jerk With a Camera, his YouTube series, and the podcast Escape from Vault Disney. It's Tony Goldmark. Hi, Tony. I, too, never explain anything, except when I do. (laughs) uh thank you so much for coming on we're so happy to have you on here um before we get into the uh main point of the topic uh just uh kind of explain uh what you have going on and your current podcast if you want uh my current podcast pretty much is what i have going on at the moment (laughs) it's called escape from vault disney and in every episode my guests and i Uh, have something picked for us that's available on Disney Plus and we review it. Whether it's a movie, a TV series, a series of shorts, uh, we we watch it, we talk about it, and we grade it and we give it, and each of us gives it a Disney Plus or a Disney Minus. By this point, I have released at least 125 episodes, possibly 126, and uh, yeah, go check it out. You can find every episode uh, wherever podcasts podcasts aren't sold it's called escape from vault disney once again it is one of my favorite podcasts i listen to it every time Ah, it comes out uh it is truly hilarious you guys have to check it out uh if only to uh hear the episodes where carl featherbottom comes on and uh the less explained the better (laughs) yeah listen for the full carl featherbottom saga you basically got to listen to every last christmas episode of the year uh for the last four years in a row uh it's the if you listen to the twas the night um well, no, actually, you'd have to listen to the previous episodes for this. <laughs> you know what? Listen to the Twas the Night, Richie Rich's Christmas Wish, Snow Globe, and Arendelle Castle Yule Log episodes, and that'll give you the full Carl Featherbottom saga, more or less. 
and I hear he's good friends with Dracula. Is that correct? Yeah, that well, you'll have to listen to uh, the episode we did on one of the Spider-Man animated series. I, I should probably just post a list of every episode you need to listen to. You know what? Just just listen to the whole thing, just to be yeah. safe. Listen to all 125 episodes, and then you'll be all caught up. Perfect. That that sounds awesome. Uh, but yes, we're we're so excited to have you here today. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, today we'll be discussing uh, a couple of ideas uh one was a proposal and one was kind of announced we did um a couple of weeks back we did the disney cancellation special where we went through a long list of things that walt disney world announced but never came to be and there was a pretty big omission on there and this is why we wanted to save this uh for this episode uh so that is why we did not include it uh but anyways um with that said let's get on to our main topic but first this Okay, here we are for Unbuilt Mary Poppins, uh, where we'll be discussing two Mary Poppins attractions. Uh, but first, I really would love to get your guys' opinion on uh, Mary Poppins, I guess, not only as the 64 film, but like as a franchise entirely. What about you, Tony? It kind of sucks that nowadays we have to refer to Mary Poppins as a franchise rather than just (laughs) one singular film that's amazing. Although I guess I I guess when you think about it, Mary Poppins was always a franchise because it was always a series of books uh, from its very initial inception. But but obviously for years, the one and only Mary Poppins movie that Walt Disney was able to make is just a masterpiece. There's no other word for it. Uh, it, it. I mean, I mean, the term masterpiece is thrown around quite a bit, but when you consider the, the classical definition of the word masterpiece, it is an artist's seminal work. It is, it is a work that represents the culmination of everything that they ever did and everything they ever learned in their career up to that point. And that is certainly, by that rubric, Mary Poppins is absolutely Walt Disney's masterpiece. It just has everything in it. Walt poured uh, basically 40 years of his entire career in into, into that one movie and it's amazing it, every everything about it works it, it it holds up to this day it's one of the best disney movies ever made and you know small wonder it gets revered the way it does and i'm probably skipping ahead just by saying this but it is borderline criminal that it never got a proper look that it, it never got a proper ride it was because it, it, it was not only his masterpiece it was one of the biggest hits he ever released in his lifetime certainly uh the most critically acclaimed hit it was i i if i'm not mistaken it was the only film he ever made that got nominated for best picture at the oscars and uh, and also i i mean i know you're gonna talk about the impact that its success uh made on on the disney parks in general but you know the the depending on who you ask the profits from mary poppins were what enabled Walt to buy the Florida Swampland where they eventually built Disney World. And yet Mary Poppins doesn't have its own ride at Disney World or Disneyland or any of the other international Disney parks. I mean, I mean, consider this. The franchise where Michael Rooker yells, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, got <laughs> multiple rides before Mary Poppins did. 
that, that is, just doesn't that seem true. right. <laughs> no, that is that is true. Yeah, I guess it just you know goes to show like you have to be more recent than not to get an attraction for some reason. Yeah, uh, it's all about spreadsheets these days. It's mm. all about just oh, what what do what do the kids recognize as as their Disney movies? They they don't and but it's not like Disney has no respect for history. I mean, you know, less than a decade ago they they built a new Snow White roller coaster at the Magic Kingdom. So mm-hmm. they have some respect for their own history, just not enough to make Poppins happen, I guess. Yeah. I mean, the best that we really have right now, of course, are some meeting greets in a restaurant. Uh, yep. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorma, what, what is your uh, opinion on Mary Poppins? I mean, I don't think I can. Following up what Tony just said is going to be quite literally impossible. That was like back of the box. Perfect. <laughs> perfect praise of Mary Poppins. But yeah, I mean, as the seminal work of Walt Disney, just repeating exactly what you're saying. Um, it's like a pivotal moment in, in Disney history, in animation history, in just like film history. And, you know, even more egregious, I think, than the omission of a Mary Poppins attraction. And I'm pretty sure we'll talk about this is the attempt, Disney's own attempts at trying to redo and uh, revitalize Mary Poppins in their own modernizing ways. I think it's kind of one of those lightning in a bottle moments where it happened at the right time with the right people. And it's almost like nobody can touch it ever again, sometimes out of reverence and sometimes out of just inability. Um, One might wonder how Mary Poppins would fare in like the theme park space if Disney was able to produce a worthwhile sequel. Because like you're saying, the popularity of a property in the modern day seems to drive its presence in the parks. And I think the 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 failure of recapturing that is definitely to thank for a lot of the problems we'll see ahead. The original film, I, I'm at a loss of words almost because I think you've <laughs> taken the best ones. Uh, the, the original <laughs> film is just good. It's just excellent. And it's just a cornerstone piece of well, any, I guess, Disney fans library. Well, you mentioned that there's never, uh, there hasn't been a worthwhile sequel to Mary Poppins. Uh, there has, that that is perhaps technically true, but I don't think Mary Poppins Returns is that bad. I, I, no. I maybe it's not, you know, if it's not a worthwhile sequel, that's only because it had such a huge, huge act to follow. Uh, I I kind of view Mary Poppins Returns as basically Mary Poppins The Force Awakens in a lot of ways. It <laughs> yeah. was it, it, it it's it's very analogous to The Force Awakens in a lot of interesting ways. It's mm-hmm. basically the same movie again. It's right. it, it has the exact same structure as the original. It reuses a lot of the motifs and aesthetics of the original, but it's so clearly just a bunch of filmmakers trying to make the original again rather than using the franchise as a jumping off point towards telling a really interesting story of their own. That's what The Last Jedi did, in my opinion. I know opinions on The Last Jedi very wildly. <laughs> if they'd been allowed to make another sequel after Mary Poppins Returns, maybe that would have taken similar bold leaps, or maybe they would, or maybe the reaction of The Last Jedi made them afraid to take any bold leaps ever again. Who knows? But but I I do like Mary Poppins Returns. I especially like the songs in it. Uh, I don't think it entirely works, largely because they felt so compelled to give it a, a very conventional by you know 2010s movie making standards uh, storyline and plot. When mm. Mary Poppins arguably doesn't need a storyline or plot at all. But they you know they, they the whole thing about oh we oh the uh, we gotta save the house and we gotta get the certificate to 
the bank by midnight. There's a ticking clock. We got to no. go up to it's uh, Mary Poppins movies do not need that bullshit. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, it, that's what Walt understood is that the there was no ticking clock in the original. It was yeah. just the 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 climb the big action climax of the original was a man walking to a bank in the <laughs> at night. It was it's just so not the point of mm. of what you're doing here and uh and and yeah i feel like mary poppins returns did not flop but it did somewhat underperform it, it didn't even come close to cracking a billion dollars which is what yeah. you know disney hopes happens to every movie nowadays so and and i think that kind of that definitely factored into their choice uh again skipping ahead here but <laughs> that i'm sure that factored into their choice to eventually not build the mary poppins ride at epcot spoiler alert yeah. uh and it's and it's a shame that something so petty as how mary poppins returns did cause them to rethink that when you still have the original mary poppins which is still <laughs> rightly revered as one of the mm. greatest disney films of all time it it feels like if you care about anything but a spreadsheet, if you're actually a Disney fan, you would fucking move heaven and earth to make a Mary Poppins ride finally happen. But mm-hmm. you know, what do yeah. I know? I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> causing the strikes to prolong by, <laughs> by not true. giving, the, <laughs> by not giving the writers and actors a fair deal. Mm. Yeah. I want to I want to add very briefly. Yeah, when you when you talk about Mary Poppins Returns as the last uh the excuse me, the Force Awakens of Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty accurate and especially in the way that they use these reboots as litmus tests on how oh, current yeah. audiences I think feel mm-hmm. about the original property. So obviously like, you know, we'll get into this, but I think when you release Mary Poppins Returns and it doesn't pull a billion, our thought might be, well, the original movie's still a classic, it's still great. Their thought might be audiences hate mary poppins they don't care <laughs> it's a waste of money and time and let's not follow yeah. it yeah 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 i will say that mary poppins returns i find is almost more interesting than the force awakens only in the fact that the force awakens is trying to recreate a 1977 blockbuster Mary Poppins <laughs> Returns is trying to recreate something even odder, which is a 1960s slow-paced musical that they just don't make anymore. Right. Which I think is fascinating, and it works for two-thirds of that movie. So I almost kind of like it a little bit more. I also like the yeah. songs by Shaman, and, and so that's what i kind of like about it but there's no yeah, doubt the, that yeah go ahead the, the 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 songs are great and and you're right they don't make that kind of musical anymore and it was they barely make musicals at all anymore and when they do they're certainly not like that and it was great to see that aesthetic recreated i mean i love the mary poppins aesthetic so much that i've grown a a fondness for any music for pretty much any musical or at least any sherman brothers musical that Disney made in its wake that tried to recapture that aesthetic. I love mm. Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I even love The Happiest Millionaire. <laughs> if you've never seen The Happiest Millionaire, it was it was basically Disney's attempt to do a much, much cheaper kind of Mary Poppins-esque movie with a lot of Sherman Brothers songs that nobody remembers. 
And Happiest Millionaire is objectively not a good movie, but I still love it. <laughs> and I don't love it in an ironic way. I, I love it because it has that that very cheesy, but very innately lovable Poppins-esque aesthetic to it uh, that, that they only really did in the 60s and a little bit in the 70s before Hollywood changed forever. And you're right. That was a big part of the fun of Mary Poppins Returns is just to see that aesthetic return, even if even if they didn't really stick the landing with it for the entire movie because like i said eventually it does just turn into a generic oh ticking clock we got to get the thing to it and and mary poppins has got to fly up to big ben like a fucking superhero (laughs) (laughs) so dumb but anyway Uh, and if you guys want to see some really great alligator antics check out the happiest millionaire Uh, a lot lot of a surprising amount of alligators in happiest millionaire more than you would think yeah. Uh, so it's that and it's Loki season one. Yeah. That's for Alligator. It's <laughs> Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yes. <laughs> let's get into the history of Mary Poppins. Uh, in 1934, P.L. Travers published Mary Poppins, a children's book about a magical nanny who flies in from the East Wind to take care of the Banks children at 17 Cherry Tree Lane. The novel was an instant hit, and Travers wrote four more entries through 1962. Around this time, Walt Disney was able to secure the rights to Travers' book, as portrayed in the 2013 biopic Saving Mr. Banks, which presents a semi-accurate take on the events. No bit. <laughs> they punched the details just a bit, yeah. <laughs> like like how A.A. A. Milne didn't have the rights to yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Poor A.A. A. Milne, she picks up a Winnie the Pooh doll. Wait, Winnie the Pooh didn't come out till after Poppins. What are you right. doing? Uh, long story short, Travers needed the money really badly, gave her creation to a man at the height of its powers, and pretty much resented it forever. <laughs> The 1964 film Mary Poppins was such a massive success that Walt was able to open a manufacturing firm for his themed attractions solely off the earnings. Thus, it was fittingly called Mapo. It Mapo! Is a... <laughs> Sounds like uh, a maple syrup brand. but <laughs> <laughs> It is a cruel irony, of course, that this division, which lasted as late as 2012, which I did not know until doing research for this, that it lasted that long, never was able to craft anything for a Mary Poppins ride. Of course, they did get a chance to sculpt two animatronics for the great movie ride, but mm. we're getting ahead of ourselves. You can see the Maple uh, logo even has a little mary poppins on it in a silhouette is that in haunted mansion font the mapo oh yeah it kind of looks like it Ra- uh, ravenscroft i think it's been dubbed oh that's yeah cute. <laughs> um, the reason why mary poppins was such a success wasn't hard to understand accompanied with a bewitching haunting and yet deliriously catchy score by richard and robert sherman the cast led by then broadway darling julie andrews as mary and television's hilarious dick van dyke who was also a broadway veteran as bert held strong over captivating musical numbers whimsical set pieces combining animation and live action and an effective powerful sentiment on the importance of family the film's clever twist showing it that it is mr banks played iconically by david tomlinson that undergoes the biggest emotional arc still drives yours truly to tears every damn time mr dorman i'm i not... agree yeah. I, i'm on oh, your side right. I... <laughs> <laughs> it really does like no yeah absolutely. let's let's yeah. let's fly a kite to me might be one of the most cathartic sequences in film history 
like you said, Tony, it is truly a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I think it is the most indelible live action film Disney has or will ever make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't think anything they will make in live action will come as close, as iconic as Mary Poppins. This, of course, was not lost on a young Tony Baxter, who was 19 when Walt Disney suddenly passed away in December 1966. Tony had been attending college at Cal Poly Pomona, majoring in landscape architecture, but was fascinated by Disneyland, having gone during its opening year in 1955. Ten years later, he toured WED and was so hooked, he applied for a position as an ice cream scooper on Main Street. Moving on to attractions shortly after, he found himself faced with a project at school. Still mourning Walt, he decided to marry all the fascinations he had with, well, Mary Poppins. In the winter of 1967, Tony, with the help of another teacher, came up with what he had dubbed the Jolly Holiday Ride. His Mm. proposed attraction would be based on the scene in the middle of the film where Mary Burke and the Banks children magically step into a chalk painting on the sidewalk. Why do you always complicate things that are really quite simple? Give me your hand, please, Michael. Don't slouch. One, two... Mary Poppins, you look beautiful. Do you really think so? Cross my heart, you do. Like the day I met you. You look fine too, Bert. I thought you said there was a bear. So I did. Down the road behind the hill, remember? Come on, I hear the in it, they enter a wondrous animated world where Bert and Mary sing the song Jolly Holiday and Dance with Penguins. Later, the quartet ride a carousel and Mary has the operator engage a lever, which detaches them from the roundabout, letting them freely trot their carousel horses around the countryside. After entering a horse race and winning, Mary and Bert sing the memorable supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Wow, I can't believe I actually said that without uh, tongue twisting myself. Uh, A storm arrives which dissolves the chalk painting and they return back to London. The ride would start as guests walked up to a facade show building where they would enter the park from the film. So the park would be on the front and Cherry Tree Lane would actually be seen in the distance. You'll actually be exiting out of Cherry Tree Lane uh, on the attraction. A very unique ride vehicle, which Tony said was inspired by the Carousel of Progress attraction, would come up to the boarding station, that of a merry-go-round that was entirely on a track. So if you can picture it, it is a small, moving, full carousel that has like, it's almost like um, in those in the malls where they have those very small carousels. Right, right. But picture that, but just more bigger. Uh, On the small carousel, there were four horses reminiscent of the ones from the film. After loading, the carousel would lurch forward as guests kept rotating up and down, and it would move onto the streets. As prepares to enter a building, the horses leap off the carousel by attaching to an overhead track as it continues to move up and down. So it turns into Peter Pan's flight. Uh, I believe they are going to be doing something very similar to this at Disney Sea for their Peter Pan attraction. Now, I, I got to say, 
the idea that it starts as a carousel, it, it start, the ride vehicle is a carousel horse. And you start by boarding a carousel and it goes around a few times and then leaps off the carousel as the ride goes through the building. That's an amazing idea, mm-hmm. but I'm a little skeptical that it would have worked logistically. <laughs> yes. <I'm>, yes. <laughs> I, I, I have questions, shall we say. Uh, I'm not sure how feasible it would have. Well, I mean, just loading on loading times that alone would have caused this ride to be a nightmare mm-hmm. like it because because think about how long it takes to board a carousel horse as opposed to just boarding a, a ride vehicle where you just sit down you gotta yeah. you know I mean, I mean i'm a pretty hefty dude myself and you know i i admittedly don't ride carousel horses very often but whenever i do it always takes me fucking forever to get on them i know you know <laughs> a, a kid would have to you know with little kids the parent has to assist their kids on it or i guess they could work out like an old school matterhorn seating thing where two people can be on it at the same time or something i don't know but i mean but also imagine how freaky that would be if you're a kid (laughs) where you think you're boarding a carousel and then the carousel horse jumps on it would i feel like it would be a 50 50 divide between kids who thought that was the coolest damn thing ever and kids who were fucking traumatized (laughs) by the carousel horse coming alive and jumping off the carousel and it it, it, it would have been a trip for sure. I mean, let's put it this way rise of the resistance at disneyland barely <laughs> works and yeah, that yeah constantly like changes and like it goes into like a drop simulator thing and just imagine pulling this off of like 1970s technology yeah, and and, th- and that's a ride where you do in fact still get to sit down yeah. in the ride vehicle <laughs> mm-hmm. The ride vehicle is still just an ordinary seat. It's not a fucking horse that you have to <laughs> straddle. Like it, it's, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've I've only been. I mean, I, I've ridden carousels, obviously, but I've only been horseback riding once in my life, and it did not end well. So <laughs> I. Uh, I'm not so yeah it's it's an acquired taste to be sure and I'm not and I'm like that feels it's such a but at the same time it's such a cool idea and Mm. if you can find a way to logistically pull it off that is definitely the way to go with this attraction and uh yeah it's a (laughs) I I, I, honestly that's probably more than anything well well I mean we'll we'll talk about this as well but yeah that, that might be a factor of why the Mary Poppins uh attraction idea was kind of killed in the crib Mm -hmm. Uh, so inside the show building we see that the london town is having an art show and ahead is a framed chalk painting our horses leap into the picture and we enter into a whimsical animated farm full of singing animatronics guests can continue hopping into the countryside alongside ducks next we encounter a tea party where penguins dance to the song jolly holiday Moving past, we chase a fox into a frantic horse chase, and we win. The animated townsfolk break out in a song of what else? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. A storm breaks out, and the scene melts away as we exit the painting and re-enter London, emerging on the rooftops where the chimney sweeps scene step in time. The horses then plunge below to the streets where a final chorus of Let's Go Fly a Kite is sung. 
Guests are welcomed back into the daylight as they depart Cherry Tree Lane and connect back with their carousel. The exit even pops out into a gift shop at the end, which Tony Baxter claims was ahead of its time. Now, Very ahead of its time. Yes. You so magnificent saying... bastard. <laughs> Tony, you magnificent Baxter. <laughs> now, now, I want you guys to think about that proposal very carefully and think about what it's missing. What is missing in this Mary Poppins attraction? Um, Lightning Lane? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Mary Poppins. Oh, right. Of course. <laughs> so, my well, guess, yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- well, keep in mind, mm, this was, this was in the era. Yep. This is exactly well, where I was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about it. <laughs> well, my, per- my opinion is that Tony was be- merely following in the footsteps of other Imagineers when the idea of Disneyland attractions weren't that you were going to see the characters, that you were the characters characters right so being on this carousel you're supposed to be portraying mary burt and the children this was in the era when you didn't see peter pan on the peter pan ride you didn't uh yeah you didn't see snow white on the snow white ride they've since amended that Uh, to this day you still don't see mr toad on the mr toad's ride that's (laughs) That's the one ride where they've sort of preserved that um integrity i don't think you see alice on the al or no you do you do do. do. yeah that's right and and you see pinocchio on the pinocchio ride you um they could only after a while the idea of oh you are the character that was too cerebral for people after a while Mm -hmm. they 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 caved on that (laughs) yeah like i remember um peter pan is is, i don't know if it's still called peter pan flight but it used peter pan's flight yeah yeah it's now it used to be called peter pan flight Right, right. Without without the uh, apostrophe and the S, now it's called Peter Pan's flight because the idea is that you were doing the Peter Pan flight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly, just like that. Uh, Tony took the proposal to Disneyland and showed it to a manager who got him in the contact of Imagineer Bill Anderson. At the second trip to Wed, he was given advice on how to become a full-fledged Imagineer. It's pretty funny. Um, so I'm taking um, a lot of this, and uh, what a lot of people got this from was back in 2016, uh, D23, they did a video where Tony explains all of this and right, goes right. through the book. And uh, Tony tells this great story. It was like, he thought, oh, I'm going to you know, be taken. I'm going to immediately get hired, and they're going to build this. And you know, probably Bill Anderson looked at this and went very cute but there's no way we can make this yeah <laughs> keep working at it <laughs> although I, I i will say and this and i noticed this was not in your show notes uh mm-hmm. they did come pretty close to building a mary poppins ride uh in the 60s and 70s specifically for uh walt disney world's magic kingdom at this is the, true at least this is what i read in a jim hill blog uh when they were developing the florida version version of Fantasyland, the original thought was, well, we don't want to just clone Peter Pan and Snow White and Mr. Toad. We just Mm -hmm. we want to build three new dark rides because we've got all these classics in our library. And originally, the three dark rides were going to be based on Sleeping Beauty, uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow Hollow, sequence from Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And the third dark ride was going to be Mary Poppins. Now, I have heard rumors that this version of the Mary Poppins ride was going to utilize the carousel horse as ride vehicle gambit. But consider, again, considering how 
possibly not very feasible that was uh i'm not sure if that's true it might be that jim hill was just conflating tony baxter Mm -hmm. talking about his design with the design for whatever they were gonna build uh for the magic kingdom but ultimately the budget for disney world in general and magic kingdom just ballooned out of control and they had to cut costs in a bunch of places and one such place was they decided eh we don't need to build three new rides. Let's just let's just copy Peter Pan, mm. Snow White, and Mister Toad. So yeah, that's a they, shame. They they were kind of trying to become experimental, and I believe it's Roy Disney who told them no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that, that's a great point. Um, I didn't include that because I will be including that in a future episode where we discuss oh, okay. those fantasy that rejected Fantasyland. Gotcha, uh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tony immediately switched to Cal State University as an art major and studied theater design shortly. After graduating in 1969, he joined WED and became one of the most prolific in the second generation of Imagineers alongside Tom K. Morris, Joe Rohde, and Kevin Rafferty. Uh, so we've already discussed uh, quite a bit of this already. Um, I will say that I love the concept Overall, I do think that, again, I would love to see if they could insert the actual characters in there. But also, uh, I do have to admit that it is always hard to translate a animated environment, especially one that's been portrayed in film as being so closely, without the lack of a better term, married to uh, live action that I think that would have been also really hard to pull off. Uh, and I really like the idea. I think like the ending where you go on the rooftops and they're seeing Chim Chim True and Steps in Time. I think that's cramming a little too much in there. Uh, but I do love the Let's Fly a Kite ending. also think it's kind of a mistake to have, yes, only go Cherry Tree Lane only on the way out, not even be able to explore it. I think that's one thing that the Epcot proposal does fix. Um, but what are you guys' thoughts? Well, I mean, I mean, like I said... The, the idea of making the carousel horses the ride vehicles is so goddamn cool. If you can find a way to pull it off, that is absolutely the way to go on this attraction. But that's a pretty huge if, you know, <laughs> ju- just in terms of real world logistics here. I will say, though, I disagree with you about uh, the about the rooftops of London not fitting in. I think Mm. that would be a great fit for the attraction, but I think the way you do it, again, just to blue sky the idea, Mm -hmm. just to make it, you know, something that, uh, you know, just if we're really using our imaginations and not worrying at all about logistics or anything, I think the way, ideally, the way to work in the rooftops of London is to make it a two-story attraction. Oh. Is to come up with some conceit where not only does the carousel horse bounce through all these animated scenes, but then you find some way to have it um, propel to the next level. Uh, ideally, the way to do it is that it physically goes up a chimney. That would be the coolest way to do it i'm not sure if that could reasonably be done i i guess maybe if you installed some sort of elevator into it and, and like the carousel horse goes into a giant fireplace <laughs> and that becomes an elevator maybe you could make that work maybe kind of like what rise of the resistance does but then i think you know the second level is the rooftops of london and 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 that could be economical that could be how you'd save uh physical flat space by having the vehicles and or or, or ascend to level two 
and 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 then the rooftops are all on top of the show scenes that uh, in the of the jolly holiday stuff mm-hmm. and then have the carousel horse somehow jump off or or go downwards uh down back to the street for the let's go fly a kite sequence i think that mm-hmm. would be the way to go with that like famously roger rabbit's cartoon spin yeah. was originally going to be two stories in fact if if you're at disneyland you can kind of see the balcony where the cars would have come out because they had to build uh the exterior infrastructure before they had completely finalized the uh the interior infrastructure um but and unfortunately that ended up not happening it uh, it did i mean the most famous two level ride is probably alice in wonderland which which does have that part where you go outside but yeah i just think um Again, if you could find a way to pull it off, it would be truly spectacular. It would have been an all-time classic. It's 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 a shame to me that they didn't that you know from what we understand they didn't even really try. Mm-hmm. That's but true. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dorm, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to uh, uh, again. Everything Tony said is exactly right. I think that the one thing that like perturbs me the most is this idea that you would get onto the carousel, the carousel would move, then the carousel would split and then have its own track that perfectly, or at least gives the impression of perfectly linking up with you at the end. I guess you'd have like, I don't know, two total tracks. You'd have the horses and the carousels, which split and mm-hmm. re-meet at the end, or it would be some kind of uh, a trick oh, where there's yeah. three tracks, like I the think loading carousels and the closing carousels. Maybe like carousels. Runaway Railway? You'd, where... have to, you'd have to build a whole new type of yeah. ride vehicle. You, you'd yeah. have to, yeah, th- that attaches and detaches. It would be extremely difficult. But again, if you could pull it off, huge mm-hmm. if. But but if you can somehow make it work, you know, they they didn't think they could land a man on the moon at first and then they did it. So, you know, well, I think <laughs> if, if Disney has like still owns the the rights to this uh, uh, this ride plan, which I imagine if he just handed it. To oh, manager, I'm sure they just said, oh, yeah, yeah, this is ours now. And I mean, th- good luck there's, and come there's back. no way Tony Baxter wouldn't allow that. He would he would yeah. be overjoyed if they actually yeah. did that. <laughs> I'm just surprised. I mean, we'll discuss later. Um, I know you both had criticisms of this design. I think this design is like almost impeccable, if not perfect. Uh, like you're saying, you know, space limitations, of course, were going to be a problem. And so is technology. I'm just surprised that nothing like this ever quite came back again. Like they, they, they nothing as ambitious for Mary Poppins, I think was ever, um, as we'll discuss was proposed. And it, it's a shame because, you know, you talk about how this kind of mirrors a lot of the basic fantasy land attractions where you're in the movie, but it's so much more detailed, so much more thorough and complex. Mm-hmm. It does feel like a really, probably an early indication that things were going to start changing at Imagineering, especially as Tony uh, joined and, and adjusted how complicated these carnival rides that for a time would become. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful piece of art, but a very, like you've all said, fantastical one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, literally. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that the, the biggest problem that Tony has nailed is capacity and getting people to load on it. Uh, yeah. For for Epic Universe, uh, there was at one time, they have a carousel that's going to be in the center of that theme park. And for a time, there was a patent that was out there that uh, the carousel, you would actually not load it. You would not load into the carousel all at once. But instead, the carousel horses were on a trackless ride vehicle that would split out of the circle and come at the loading dock and people would board it Mm. at a loading dock instead and then go back into the circle. 
And I think that I get what Tony was thinking because, of course, uh, Tony Baxter, that is, uh, that uh, the carousel in the movie, that's that's how it happens. They're on a carousel and a guy, you know, animated character detaches, pulls a lever and then they go off. Right. But I think he was probably overthinking it and they just need to be carousel horses that you board from a station in a row. They come in a row. Also, I know it's from the film, but it's probably just easier if it's just a normal seat. You just be a yeah. normal seat. Uh, it's sort of like um, uh, they call them straddle coasters, but it's like the Haggard ride um, at uh, Islands of Adventure and stuff like that, where it's sort of like a straddle design, but you're actually in a normal seat. Mm. And that carries you through the attraction. It's just easier to load. And maybe then you go on a carousel that detaches from. There. Yeah, you could you could do some sort of hybrid. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, kind of between the the Hagrid straddle seat and but uh, maybe that. But with a carousel horse where it's mm-hmm. where. Yeah, it's a hybrid between a normal seat and a carousel horse. You could you could find a way to make that look good, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can make it two people on it too if you want it. And, and also, I will say, uh, sad it is sad as it is that they slashed the budget for Magic Kingdom, uh, and and that they never built that version of the ride. If you were to build that version of the ride today, you could do a lot more cool stuff with the graphics of it. Like you could actually see the window of the operator pulling the lever and it could be the original animation like Mm -hmm. on a a screen. I know theme park attractions way overuse screens nowadays, but I feel like that would be a case where, you know, just because in the original movie, it felt like that scene of the of the operator almost looks like a screen on a yeah, theme park ride. It really I mean, does. I mean, it's literally them riding a ride. That would be a case where I think the screen would actually be preferable to an animatronic that barely moved. But yeah. <laughs> al- although for the rest of it, when you're actually getting into the Jolly Holiday sequence, there I think they should definitely have real animatronics of the penguins and the pearly band, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, it, and that uh that is how you would uh, yeah that that's how you would do that um ideally and and yeah it would it, i i could see them doing something uh like like you talked about the epic universe um carousel that that might be happening oh uh, well unfortunately they tried that patent and oh, then they, okay. they junked it and now mm. it's going to be a carousel that operates with its operations like that are completely under it uh, mm. So there's nothing on top of it. So you're just kind of like on vehicles, but there's nothing above you. Okay. So that's what it's going to be now. Well, um, well, I could, uh, if they had found a way to make it work, I could see it being kind of like how they handle loading and unloading on Mission Breakout, uh, yeah. formerly the DCA Tower of Terror, where it's actually a really ingenious design. Like the reason it's two levels is because, you know, obviously the, the elevator shafts or the gantry lifts go vertically and the way it works works is one vehicle you know each shaft has two different vehicles in it one for each level and while one is unloading and then loading the other is actually doing the ride so that's that's a brilliant design right there and you could maybe find some way to make that work with the carousel design where where one batch of guests are loading and unloading while the other guests are actually doing the ride although for a dark ride you know that that's that's kind of intrinsic to that because because a lot of carousel horses are going 
through it. So maybe you'd have to find some way for the ve- the vehicle to stop at the loading station, or maybe the or maybe it could be like it could be like an omnimover where you're where the track is like moving while you're boarding the carousel or something. I don't know. I am not an Imagineer, but I'm. <laughs> But but I uh, but it would be again if you could pull it off it would be fucking amazing that so. is that is true yeah so of course Jolly Holiday never actually materialized as an actual attraction it remained infamous over the years as concept art actually fooled folks into thinking it was an expansion of the K Pavilion at Epcot that never made it mm. and of course as you mentioned uh, the uh, Fantasyland version uh, many people regard it as one of the greatest unbuilt Disney attractions ever although it was never officially proposed in the company tenure anyone's knowledge but marion bart definitely made appearances in the parks over the years but an attraction never could seem to get off the ground of course in 1989 uh the great movie ride opened and there was a small scene i believe it's right after footlight parade uh and singing in the rain that you get to see dick van dyke and mary poppins uh perform uh chim chim true and chim chim cheree but who's chim chim cheree that's right i would say (laughs) chim chim true i don't know why (laughs) but uh yeah uh did you want to talk about that for just a second well, yeah, it's it's the it's an all too brief tableau in a, in a much bigger ride that was the closest thing we ever got to an honest to God Mary Poppins ride. Uh, mm. We got one little tableau in 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 a ride that otherwise uh, had a bunch of other non Disney movies. The Wizard of Oz got way was the big showstopper finale of that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and yeah, it, it's. It's great that for years we at least had something, but man, it just made you want more. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. There was actually going to be another Mary Poppins attra- uh, animatronic in the ride, and mm. that was going to be during the finale. Uh, ah. The original proposed finale was you were going to go into the wizard's chamber and then uh, your guide would point out that, of course, somebody's behind the curtain and it's either the gangster or the cowboy that was killed in the previous scene. And then a curtain would rise to the either side of you and it would be all the characters that you had already seen. And then they would bow. And one of them was going to be Mary Poppins. Mm. <laughs> it's really sad. Which we doesn't never got make that. a lot yeah. of sense because movie characters don't <laughs> bow. Yeah, it's I know. not. It's not theater it's movies if anything credits should roll yeah <laughs> it's true yeah it makes a little bit more sense to have the the montage at the end yeah, uh, but, yeah. Uh, but, anyway. but i do yeah. know the re- the reason why the whole thing with uh with the wizard and the man behind the curtain that was scrapped because ted turner wanted too much money right he yes. was trying to he was trying to bilk them for more money than they were willing to spend they also uh the the fantasia the, the little fantasia Fantasia thing right before the Wizard of Oz sequence that was originally going to be the tornado mm-hmm. from Wizard of Oz that was you know that that old scene uh and again Ted Turner wanted too much money ultimately they could only afford to do that one big Wizard of Oz scene so the bits before and after had to be changed at the mm-hmm. last minute that's why Fantasia doesn't even have any animatronics it's yes. just 
projection that, on a screen. Mm-hmm, that is so true. And it was all uh, Ted Turner uh, forced this to happen so late in the game that if you look back on the great movie ride, that final scene, that uh, that entire room that you're in is way bigger than it should be. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why. And then the Fantasia room also had hidden uh, these massive wind turbines right. that they did not use. So that, uh, that it's always fascinating to me. Um, anyways, uh, and of course, Runaway Runaway finally got a tornado in the attraction. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I anyways. do kind of miss the great movie ride. Mm. I, ideally, I wish... I love Runaway Railway, but I wish the two could have coexisted interminably. Mm. But, you know, mm. what are you going to do? True. Walt Disney Pictures, unable to scoop up the rights to more Poppins books from Travers, kept attempting to recapture magic and musicals such as Bedknobs and Broomsticks, The Happiest Millionaire, the one and only genuine family band, and Pete's Dragon. Now, even though I love Bedknobs and Broomsticks, none of them were even close to being as successful as Poppins. In 1984, Michael Eisner took over the company and asked for the sequel to their most profitable live-action film, which of course was Mary Poppins. Travers was surprisingly on board at this time, presumably also due to money issues, and was to co-write it with Brian Sibley, a BBC author. Michael Jackson was actually cited to play Burt's brother with Julie Andrews returning in the role. Imagine that. that. You know, in in the eighties, that could have worked. That 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 could have you know any any later than that, not so much. Right now, originally, this draft that she wrote called "Mary Poppins Comes Back" was supposed to be set one year after the original film. But Jeffrey Katzenberg, as he often did, meddled with the direction and insisted that the film should be about the bank's children as adults, which Travers hated. And this caused the sequel to fall apart. Yeah, Travers hated it, which is, of course, why they eventually did just that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. As mentioned earlier in 2013, the film Saving Mr. Banks about the creation of the 1964 film starring Tom Hanks as Walt Disney and Emma Thompson debuted and was a mild success, making $117 million worldwide on a $35 million budget. And just why I say it is incredible that 10 years ago walt disney pictures was able to make a film on a 35 million dollar budget oh my god (laughs) by contrast the haunted mansion remember they can't afford to pay the actors and writers they can't afford any of that (laughs) but the haunted mansion movie that just came out cost 130 million dollars jeez louise (laughs) uh this inspired sean bailey the president of of Walt Disney Pictures to pitch an idea for a Mary Poppins sequel with an entirely new cast in 2015. The sequel would in fact riff on this Katzenberg idea from years prior where the film takes place 25 years later and would cherry pick, forgive the pun, things from the other seven books. Didn't they just make a movie where they're where they're presenting P.L. Travers from a semi-sympathetic <laughs> point of view, and now you're deliberately going against her wishes. Right. Well done, Disney. <laughs> but you see, she cried in the movie, Tony. She oh, cried. Yes. She, <laughs> and certainly because she was moved and not because yeah. <laughs> she 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 hated it or anything. Right. That's not we're we're leaving we're leaving out the scene where she goes up to Walt at the after party and says and and asks him to recast Dick Van Dyke. 
We're not going to put that in the movie. And she's traumatized by pears because she dropped pears when someone mm. was sick. I don't right. Know. It's that movie has its moments, but mm. ugh, there's there's stuff in it that doesn't the, work. The, the best part of it is probably still the sequence where uh, one of the Sherman brothers is playing Feed the Birds, and they have mm. uh, Tom Hanks as well walk in. He says, "That'll do." Yeah, and perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what he did. I, honestly, the the much less realistic scene was when Walt is going out of his way to praise yeah. Spoonful of Sugar. Like that's not just <laughs> ironic; that's iconic. And, you know, Walt never fucking praised people right. like that. He just said that'll work. That'll work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he contacted the team that had just produced Into the Woods for Disney, including director Rob Marshall. Mm. <laughs> not, a, not a fan? Rob Marshall, <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing to me that Rob Marshall's first movie was this amazing best picture winner. And then after that, it was, okay, some of his movies are better than others, but ye gods, it, 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 it the the man he's he's like orson wells he peaked on his first try (laughs) nothing else even came close i mean it's uh i guess mary poppins returns by default is his second best movie but yeah overall not a fan (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know it's little known that uh rob marshall uh, not only had flops in the film verse, but he also had flops in a theater. He, he was actually the ghost director of Susical. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Did a little know known that. fact. Um, didn't, uh, b- before yeah. he even made Chicago, didn't didn't he also direct the made-for-TV version of The Music Man with Matthew Broderick? Yes, yes he did, yes. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Emily Blunt was selected to play Mary, and Lin-Manuel Miranda was selected to play Lamplighter Jack, continuing the tradition of taking somebody minted from Broadway. This was his first feature film role. The film debuted in 2018, and while not a brilliant dollar earner, still made a decent chunk of change, hauling in $350 million on a $130 million budget. That's closer to what we know from Disney. Uh, while the film about Mary Poppins returning the care for the widowed Michael Banks young children was largely derivative of the 64 film, it was lavishly faithful to the style of the 60s and 70s Disney musicals of a slower pace, numerous musical sequences, a tenacity for eccentric performances, and traditional animation combining with live action. Around the same time mark as the first film's chalk painting sequence, the children accidentally break a Royal Dalton China Bowl. Well, I suppose we have no choice. But how are we going to do that? I know a bit about fixing carriages. But we can't fix the carriage wheel. It isn't possible. Everything is possible. Even the impossible. Gather round, everyone. Spitzbot. Georgie, don't forget Gilly. Are we ready? Ready. Looks like we're in China, so to speak. 
Mary magically transports them into the bowl where they, along with Jack, interact with numerous animated animal characters, visit a music hall, watch a performance by Jack and Mary, and engage in a wild chase sequence which brilliantly combines CGI, traditional animation, and live action. And even if you don't like the fact that they're doing something like you know dangerous or even like dramatic with it i think the sequence is really cool oh yeah yeah uh most viewers agree that this sequence is the film's strongest especially thanks to the talent from james baxter's animation studio and assistance from pixar animation studios yes actual hand-drawn animation Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah (laughs) we had how how long had it been since we'd seen that on screen it's like oh my fuck that that alone was was a revelation at the time good god the thing that so made beautiful me, made me the most upset about the like the marketing for this is that they like were touting in the press this is the first time that disney animation is partnering with pixar animation i'm like you fucking liars that was james <laughs> baxter that wasn't Ugh. you yes pixar Ridiculous. did assist on the cgi but you did they did not assist with Disney animation did not assist with Disney feature animation. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it should come as little shock that the sequence was cited as the inspiration for the next concept we are going to bring up. Around the time that Mary Poppins Returns was being finished, WDI considered adding an expansion to Epcot's UK pavilion. A brave expansion was briefly floated and was going to be a very small dark ride, but Imagineers were still heartbroken that Mary didn't have her place in the parks they used the sequel as a perfect excuse to get funding from head honcho bob chapek this following concept is one of the many proposed for the attraction from imagineer damon pressman this involved a very small flat ride experience combined with multiple pre-shows and a meeting greets guests would enter 17 cherry tree lane specifically from mary poppins returns and enter the foyer in the next pre-show room, they would enter the Banks' nursery, where Mary, much like the Enchanted Tales with Bell attraction, would transform the royal Dalton Bowl on the shelf into a portal. Of course, in Enchanted Tales with Bell, you face a magic mirror, which transforms into a doorway. Guests would enter the bowl brightly colored with flat trees, slicked cracked floors, and animated projections on the wall. There would be a teacup spinner ride where guests would ride also in Royal Dalton Bowls. So that would be Bowls and Bowls. After riding, guests would exit out of the bowl and back into a Mary Poppins gift shop. A nearby meeting greet building would have guests meeting Jack and Mary. Well, and, at least they kept yeah. the gift shop from T- Tony yeah. Baxter's design. <laughs> exactly. In <laughs> uh, what might be one of the most unfortunate extravagant displays, the 2019 D23 Expo featured a 93-year-old Dick Van Dyke dancing on stage to help Chapek announce a Mary Poppins expansion to the UK Pavilion as part of Epcot's transformation. Yeah, I was there. I saw it live. I was in that audience, and uh, yeah, that was that was exciting at the time. They they brought a bunch of chimney sweeps out to do a big choreographed dance to step in time, and then fucking Dick Van Dyke himself comes out, and and they formally announce that there is going to be something Poppins related at the UK Pavilion at Epcot. All they were were willing to reveal was that it would have the Cherry Tree Lane exterior. They wouldn't 
say what kind of attraction was actually going to be in there. I'm guessing mm-hmm. because they either hadn't made the final decision yet or they knew it was going to be kind of a disappointment. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. And that's apparently what it was. They hadn't decided on what this was going to be. So all they could commit to was you're going to visit Victoria Tree Lane and you'll be able to meet Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it was based on Mary Poppins Returns, like every single rumor that was out there was, yeah, and you're going to be able to meet Jack the Lamplighter. Uh, of course, rumors swirled that the attraction would have some sort of flat ride. And while insiders say that the teacups was not the final version, it was very likely similar to this idea. So it was going to be some sort of setup in this exact manner. So it's not exactly the jolly holiday dark ride. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. The COVID-19 pandemic put this project in the Spaceship Earth redo that Dorman and I discussed last month on ICE. Wild Chapek declared at the 2022 annual shareholders meeting that the project was not canceled but on hold. He was ousted in November. A recent timeline that was released in May 2023 for Parks Attractions and Mary Poppins is nowhere in sight. The project is now presumed lost forever. Yeah, you know, there there was an attraction at uh, the Odyssey building at Epcot uh, starting in uh, in late 2019 called the Epcot Experience, which was basically just um, a museum and a little film thing that 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 promoted the upcoming Epcot attractions like the Ratatouille ride and and uh, Cosmic Rewind and stuff like that. And for a while, the Mary Poppins attraction that was that was uh, they, they had a whole display there of, you know, various props from the movie. And 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 they said, this is going to be part of the UK pavilion. We're expanding it. We're going to it, it was it was basically the equivalent of the Blue Sky Cellar that used to be at DCA. And, um, you know, just promoting what they were planning uh, in the years to come. And then, of course, there was that four month uh, period where Disney World was closed due to the pandemic. When they reopened it way too early, I might add, uh, they the Epcot experience was reopened with the other parks and there was no mention of Poppins Mm -hmm. anymore. All of a sudden they had quietly removed all reference to the Poppins expansion from the Epcot experience. And when fans started asking, Hey, what gives, uh, they released a statement. Should I, should I read the statement that they go ahead? Yes. As with most business during this period, we are further evaluating long-term project (laughs) plans. The decision was made to postpone development of the Mary Poppins inspired attraction. Beep boop. I am human. <laughs> so, so yeah, ba- basically the pandemic killed it. A whole bunch of projects got killed in the crib due to the pandemic. And this was one of them. Yeah. And this was along with the spaceship earth one. I'm mean, one of the easiest ones to kill because they had not done any groundbreaking on it, which was yeah. not the case for, of course, the Epcot spine project, of course, for Tron and all these other for, you know, projects. And for Cosmic Rewind yes, and Ratatouille. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. Runaway Railway had just opened by that time. Yeah. So was, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was no stopping those trains. So one train had to be stopped. And unfortunately, it was Poppins. But of course, we have to ask, I mean, is it a heartbreaking loss? Uh, 
Well, looking, yeah. It, it, I mean, well, obviously, we'd all, you know, <laughs> you know, controversial take. The pandemic shouldn't have happened. You know, <laughs> I'd rather live in a world where it didn't, where a million people were still alive. But you know, it's. Uh, it, I think it. As for whether it's a good or a bad thing that this Poppins version was closed, I mean, who can say? It. It all depends on what it actually would have been if the concept art that was leaked, which I know wasn't the only potential thing they were planning and maybe wasn't even uh, the entire plan, but maybe it was just a contingency of, Oh, well, if we have to slash the budget by this much, how much Mm -hmm. can we build here? Um, I think if it was just that we really didn't miss much, mm-hmm. you know, cause I mean, we have, you know, enchanted tales with bell or story time with bell, whatever that attraction's called. I haven't been to Disney world in a while. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but the, um, but, but, you know, we have that beauty and the beast attraction. We have a spinner ride at the magic kingdom. What would this version of the Mary Poppins ride really have added? I will say this though, if they had made the Mary Poppins, uh, attraction, a proper huge pavilion like like the future world i know it's not called future world anymore but but it'll always be future world to yeah. me like the like like the other epcot pavilions where you go into this building and there's actually multiple things there there's multiple attractions there's you know soaring and living with the land there you know you can do multiple rides in there then if they were to do that if they were to have a proper mary poppins dark ride and a spinner ride that i think would be valid that that i think you know have a spinner ride that you can do um while you know while you're waiting for your lightning lane access to be ready for um for the big dark ride that that should have been built in the first place uh i do think yeah i i I do think it would have been a mistake to make the mary poppins ride entirely mary poppins returns I feel like I, I feel like if they were gonna utilize some stuff for Mary Poppins Returns, that's fine. But also, you gotta work in the classic Mary Poppins too, because that's what everyone likes. I feel like they should have learned that lesson from Galaxy's Edge, because mm-hmm. I love Galaxy's Edge. But I feel like the biggest complaint about it from from Star Wars fans is not enough stuff from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's all stuff from the sequel trilogy, it, even the stuff that is from the original trilogy, like the fact that the falcons there and chewie's walking around well that's stuff that was also in the sequel trilogy so you know they they kind of lost sight on what people love most about about the franchise they were pushing the new stuff so much they kind of you know they kind of forgot about the old stuff i mean i love rise of the resistance but if I were given the choice, I would kind of rather be force choked by Darth Vader than Kylo Ren. Yeah. You know, I would that that would be the the more enjoyable version of it. But um, so if they and, and you know, since Mary Poppins is kind of this amorphous world where time itself doesn't matter, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't do a hybrid of both. Uh, I, I I think that would have been absolutely the way to go with it. And also, they've got so much space to work with at Epcot. I mean, the UK pavilion is right next to the former millennium village 
I don't, and I, I do believe the Millennium Village show building is still there. Yes, it Fucking, is. You tear that down or, <laughs> or make that show building the, the, the Mary Poppins show building, you know, if you want to yeah. be economical with it, because they have so much space to work with. They, you know, space was not an issue here. They could have, mm-hmm. you know, made Cherry Tree Lane the entrance to a whole pavilion full of, you know, uh, with multiple Mary Poppins rides in it, mm-hmm. including a proper dark ride. I, I, would have liked to have seen that. And, you know, it doesn't need to be more extravagant than a dark ride. Again, the carousel horse ride vehicle would have been really fucking cool. But if you can't pull it off, then you can't pull it off. You know, I don't think it would have been disappointing at worst if the if it was more of just a traditional dark ride. But at least if it was a traditional dark ride, you'd have a Mary Poppins dark ride at long, long last. You know, it would have that you know that would have been preferable to just a to just another fucking spinner. So it's interesting that you should mention the Millennium Village show building because there is a Jim Hill on his, on his podcast. Jim Hill discusses why the Mary Poppins attraction has to be so small, and the reason is because apparently that Millennium Village show building is being used so much and rented out by special events that like events refuses to give it up so once again it is oh, capitalism on. fucking they've over other, they've got <laughs> other buildings that have got that aren't being used i mean what were they gonna look what are they gonna do with odyssey once they what was the plan of what they were gonna do with odyssey once everything they were plugging in there actually opened it would have gone the way of the blue mm-hmm. sky cellar at dca yeah. where you know oh there's not really anything planned for dca in the near future what are we going to do with Blue Sky Cell? Well, just shut it to, you know, just reuse Odyssey for events or something. You know, there's. I, there's... Yeah, I completely agree. Very unintelligent use of yeah. space. Yeah. <laughs> Don't all the future world pavilions have like executive lounges yes. for the corporate sponsor? <laughs> I mean, hold the events there. But none of those rides have corporate sponsors anymore. Well, some of them still do, but the ones that don't, you know, open up that executive, you know, conference room space. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> but I did hear contingency plan uh, was formed and, and it was like, this is like the last pitch that they gave before like JPEG like came in and just like swung the hammer down that they were just going to do cherry tree lane and it was going to have a shop meeting great and that's it with possible expansion room for something later down the line <sighs> and they just they wouldn't even commit to that interesting what? yeah i well, guess the I, movie maybe mary poppins returns was so insignificant in the long run like i know it's not it would triple the budget right but perhaps it was just so insignificant to them that they thought mary poppins is a dead property um, just completely avoid it. Don't even bother anything yeah. with it, which seems well, like a waste, especially for how yeah. much you like could be doing waste. with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you consider what they did with rise of the resistance, how big that ride is, what they did with cosmic rewind, the sheer scope of those rides. I mean, that was kind of the one big bright spot of the Chapek era is, or, or at least the, you know, the late 2010s, early 2020s era of, Okay, well, Disney's cutting back on all these other things and they're, you know, jacking up prices and there's not as much entertainment at the parks, you know, all this stuff that sucks. But at least we're getting attractions like Rise of the Resistance and Cosmic Rewind where they are just where where it literally feels like they are sparing no expense and they're just throwing everything they got into these rides and the designs are ingenious. I was 
blown away the first time I stepped into that uh, on Rise of the Resistance when you step into that uh, speeder that takes you to the actual ride and gets Mm -hmm. you know hijacked by the Empire and you're a hundred percent expecting the door to open on the other side to take you to the actual attraction and the door opens on the same side and you're in a completely different building that blew my fucking mind the first time that happened I you know and and I looked it up it's like oh it's this ingenious thing where there's actually three of these vehicles uh, and they're and they're spinning around on this on this thing and it takes you to the thing that is so genius it's like when you think about how the sheer scope of what they're doing when they're actually willing to loosen Mm -hmm. the purse strings and and funnel some actual money into these goddamn things mary poppins to me deserves absolutely no less even if you Mm -hmm. yeah mary poppins returns underperformed so the fuck what no one's gonna remember mary poppins returns in 20 years it's going to be a curiosity at best it's going to go the way of return to oz basically everyone's always going to remember mary poppins and they just don't care they don't care that Mm -hmm. it's it's this legacy title they're you know it's it's really a shame yeah i mean you have a great point like for instance right now uh today we just got a lot of like video and photos of um the zootopia attraction that is opening Mm, up in shanghai disney and i mean no matter what you think about, you know, the problematic elements of Zootopia and, you know, going the animal kingdom or whatever that it is still looks like on the surface to be an amazing ride with incredible effects, incredible scenery, incredible animatronics. And it's just another iteration of watching all the overseas parks get these really cool stuff mm-hmm. because Disney isn't fully footing the bill and seems to right. be always the thing. They're fully footing the bill. So all these other charges, they get the really cool stuff, but the uh, re- uh, parks here and Paris, they always get like kind of the hand-me-down stuff. Like we're getting, ooh, we just got San Francisco Square, which is basically a lipstick on a pig thing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what else could you do with Pacific yeah, Wharf? There's true. not a lot of room there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, that's the issue in Anaheim is they're landlocked. They don't have a lot of physical space to work with. Um, but but in Florida, it's strictly a budget thing. It, mm-hmm. You know, they've got all the space they could possibly want. Yes, I will say about San Francisco Square that they at least could have done a little better than keep the entire bakery tour the exact same, even with the Colin Mockery and Rosie O'Donnell. Mm. pre-show elements that is in there (laughs) and it makes no sense (laughs) yeah yeah they they if they could have switched that out at least yeah yeah because every all the kids in 2023 just love watching (laughs) whose line is it anyway it's god uh yeah so it is it is heartbreaking to think i mean it could have it could have been worse hey here's kevin spacey to teach you about bread here's And our good friend Harvey Weinstein. Oh. He's going to teach you all about how bread is made. I was good friends with Michael Eisner in <laughs> 2001. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, but it is just heartbreaking that they are not even willing to even do that to construct a new, even charming area of Cherry Tree Lane just to kind of loosen capacity just a tiny bit. I mean, I would have almost liked that better than having a ride that didn't live up to expectations. At least there's the promise of a possible new something and it's kind of see, a charming area see i disagree because oh, okay. it feels like if they had built just the exterior at first 
it felt like the Imagineers would have done what they so often do. Well, not the Imagineers, the, the executives marketing would have done what they so often do and just said, well, that's enough. You know, we don't have to (laughs) do all these plans that we were planning. Mm -hmm. We don't have to make, you know, alternate star tours ride films for these two decades you know because that was the mm-hmm. plan for star tours it was going to yeah. take it to multiple destinations and then it was just endor until they changed it to adventures continue and uh the and, and it was um honestly if you're not gonna go whole hog with it if you're not gonna build a proper mary poppins ride i would say don't even bother you know if, if you're not gonna either do it or don't do it and if you and and it sucks that they don't do it but i would i would honestly rather they just don't do it if they're not going to really commit to it if we're talking about mary poppins here because i mean you you express disappointment with san francisco square you know not a lot of people are gonna remember big hero six in 20 years i'm sorry Mm -hmm. it's 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 a fine movie but it was just kind of one of a zillion fine movies that disney released in the 2010s that they released so frequently that some of them are just gonna get lost in the shuffle i mean you know but but mary poppins was such was so unique and such a great work of art that it deserves better i mean you mentioned you know well disney's not fronting the entire bill with zootopia well they did front the entire bill with Rise of the Resistance mm-hmm, and Cosmic true. Rewind. And look how amazing those rides turned out. Again, I think Mary Poppins deserves no less. And if you're mm-hmm. and if you're gonna give it less, you may as well not even bother. That's that's a great point. Um so do you think that if it opened with the small, let's just say well, the I, well, ride well, well, I, I will make a slight yeah. amendment to that because okay. I don't think a thrill ride would work for Mary Poppins. I don't think mm-hmm. it should be a coaster. I don't think it should be, you know, something as as elaborate as uh, as Rise of the Resistance. It should be something that little kids can Charming. ride. It yes. should, you know, at, at most it should be on the level of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, where it's mm-hmm. like, it, you know, it, there's thrilling elements of it, but if you're a little kid, you can still ride it no problem. Right. And, uh, and, and yeah, it, I mean, I would I would honestly be satisfied with something on the level of the little mermaid dark ride like okay. that i think would suffice that would be that would be good enough for mary poppins but mm. if you're not even gonna do that don't even bother right so the teacups version is just not yeah that, yeah, yeah fuck the teacups version. Yeah. i yeah. mean okay <laughs> unless that's in addition to a proper dark right. ride like mm-hmm. if you're gonna go the mad tea party slash alice in wonderland dark ride with it that's fine if you put those two both in the same pavilion that's perfectly valid that's awesome especially if it includes those you know enchanted tales with bell uh meet and greet elements to it that that would be great as long as Mm -hmm. it's as long as it's something big i i just want it to be at at the very least it needs a dark ride on the level of the little mermaid dark ride Mm -hmm. yeah no i i absolutely agree with that and i think that if if this teacups version was going to open number one it would be an absolute nightmare capacity wise because that's a oh, yeah. flat ride a lot of bottlenecking seemingly it's, inside the exactly too. here comes boarding groups and everybody's yep. favorite well i i think that's <laughs> what was gonna i think that was the point of all the pre-show stuff is to have yeah. something for the bottleneck groups to do um kind of like uh how they changed the florida version of the dumbo ride where instead mm-hmm. of waiting in line all that time you can you know take your feather and go to the uh and and go to that little tent area to to wait for your turn you know they they probably would have done something like that with the poppins ride but uh 
still not a dark ride you know mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah I, I i can't help but mostly agree with everything you're saying uh dorman mm-hmm. what is what is your take on no the same know? feeling yeah. i think that ultimately i wouldn't be like heartbroken if they had done the smaller um the smaller but still pretty sizable section of the uk experience including the flat ride but uh, you know, I'll concede that if they had done that, the odds of actually building a full-on dark ride kind of sh- collapse yeah. way down. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's and, my issue with it. If they yeah. just build the spinner ride, they're not going to build anything else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, if you if you concede to presumably what was a budget decision is that they were looking to just fill out all of the world showcase pavilions with child-friendly attractions at the time, and I guess they still are. Then, yeah, you, you just end up losing the potential to turn like you both have been saying one of the most important and one of the best disney movies into a actual dark ride mm-hmm. you, you may mm-hmm. have convinced me away from the smaller attraction which like i thought was just fine but you're right if they actually went through and did this i don't think you'd see an expansion on it you, for a you very very would. very long time yeah exactly never. yeah exactly yeah. and and that's the that's the like unfortunate heartbreak i think about all of this is that really the only feasible one in all of this would have been what they were possibly thinking of building in Fantasyland and Magic Kingdom. We don't know the details about that, but from what we can see, the one that Tony Baxter proposed, the Jolly Holiday, is is just completely impractical uh, for the time it was made. Maybe they can figure out how to do it nowadays, but I don't know why they, if they would, or I mean, that's what they should have done when it came to Mary Poppins Returns, but unfortunate. And then, of course, the Cherry Tree Lane concept that was uh, greenlit and then canceled by Disney in 2019, unfortunately, was just not enough. So... It is sort of heartbreaking that they just couldn't come up with a good enough concept that would have worked and they would have committed to. It's just so heartbreaking. Uh, but um, in that unfortunate, we do have to ask about Build It or Not. And um, Antonio, I'm going to go first. You can um, it's just say if you're going to build either Jolly Holiday or uh, Cherry Tree Lane, but you can also like mix and match and say what you would have changed about it. Mm. Um, well, if, if we're talking armchair imagineering, uh, blue sky ideal, um, build cherry tree lane in at the UK pavilion and actually have, you know, have the enchanted tales with bell type pre-show elements, have the spinner ride with the Royal Dalton bowl. Um, but also have the carousel version of the dark ride, the, the jolly holiday ride, uh, base it somewhat on Tony Baxter's, um, uh, original designs although i do think um making the exterior just straight up cherry tree lane is the best way to go with it probably mm-hmm. don't utilize T- tony baxter's original idea for the um for the exterior but but yeah if you can find some way to make the carousel horses work where it's more of a proper chair that would be fine you know ma- make the ride vehicles a a hybrid between a carousel horse and a proper chair do the effect where the carousel horse jumps off the thing 
and goes through all these show scenes. Absolutely build that. And uh, or, or, you know, if you if you can't make the carousel horse work, you know, find some other way about it. Maybe uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else the ride vehicle could be. Uh, maybe just maybe just, you know, maybe that was part of the reason they had that horse drawn carriage in Mary Poppins Returns is so. Yeah, <laughs> well, we can we can make the ride vehicles the horse drawn carriage and that's easy for a dark ride to have that would that would work so either build that or uh i actually proposed this uh on my one movie later vlog for mary poppins returns two birds with one stone have mary poppins take over the imagination pavilion maybe mary poppins and figment these two twin disney avatars of imagination itself you know, have them co-hosted, have Mary, have Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins take over the Eric Idle role, but really do justice to it. Maybe even bring back Dreamfinder, bring back the original designs for Journey into Imagination. Don't make it the fucking Imagination Institute. Weave in <laughs> some elements from Mary Poppins. You know, it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do the Cherry Tree Lane exterior in that case, which would kind of suck, but I don't know, man, the, the, I, I mean, I just think the Imagination Pavilion also desperately needs something different at this point. And uh, putting, you know, oh, hi, Mary. Hi, Figment. You know, that yeah. just <laughs> establish that they're friends somehow, because why the hell not? I think um, I think that would work, too, although it wouldn't be. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be as much of a Mary Poppins tribute. You know what? Since we're just play acting here, since this is all blue sky shit, that's not going to happen. Fucking do both. You know, have right. Mary po- build the UK pavilion cherry tree lane thing with the dark ride. You know what? Hell, I would accept cherry tree lane if it was just the spinner ride. If you also put the dark ride in the imagination pavilion, there's like a tunnel that you can go in and you just go. Under sure. The why Canada, not? The Canada pavilion. And you just go straight to the imagination pavilion. You know, uh, build a uh, finally build the people mover at Epcot. Because <laughs> that's what that's what Epcot could have always used is a fucking people mover with like a uh, a a, sta- a station at the entrance, a station at Future World East, station at Future World West, and like three or four stations throughout World Showcase. It's like that's what the People Mover was originally developed for, and it would solve the problem of you know every person comes out tired, every of the fucking <laughs> sore feet dilemma at Epcot. Build the goddamn People Mover at long last. But but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, Dorman, what about you? I mean, I, I think my desires are a little simpler. I just think that the if you built the UK pavilion with the Mary Poppins spinner, with the dark ride, I think you could actually really round out some um, just general uh, interest in World Showcase. It, it would be pretty nice, but I, I've been swayed. If they had built it without the dark ride, the odds of ever getting it again become zilch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a- admittedly, I think I'd like to see that attraction have been built with uh, about the original film. That's going to be kind of hard to, with voice acting and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not going to be as easy, I think, to produce all of that together. I don't know if Mary Poppins Returns is the best idea for producing anything in the near future, especially with how uh, how shallow the legs are on that movie. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that building the UK one would have been a very good idea. So I'll put a nail on that one. Mm-hmm. I personally think that 
Uh, I don't think that the Jolly Holiday attraction was really practical, but I do love the idea of it. I would definitely say I would love to build Cherry Tree Lane there, but instead of that spinner attraction, please just make even a downsized version of the carousel attraction. Don't make it where it's like a full carousel. Just, you know, have it small. Just, I mean, those Fantasyland attractions are tiny. So I know they have they can do it. They can do it if they wanted to. So instead of that, can we just get a, even a small dark ride? Would be great. But as for the show, I always like thinking about what building something versus not building the consequences that would it bring. And of course, if you don't br- build Cherry Tree Lane, what's there currently is an empty lot. So if somebody told me no matter what we're never going to build this unless you just get cherry tree lane and that's it and i'd be like fine if if that's what it's never if if it's either nothing or that i'm fine with that because it would have been an empty lot anyways and if they would only do that with only thing where they would do with mary poppins i would have that because anything's better than an empty lot in my opinion that's well, I mean, that. if it was if it was a haunted mansion situation where they opened the exterior first and only yeah. <laughs> years later actually opened the ride, that would be fine. But that just really isn't how Imagineering mm, works true. anymore. So. Yeah, <laughs> that is true because we've had what two canceled Avengers rides well, by now. <laughs> well, we'll still see about that. I mean, Avengers is very much a um, very much a big franchise, and uh, mm-hmm. let's face it. Avengers Campus needs a third ride anyway, so yeah, it just so, does. Yeah, I, I I hope the Quinjet thing does get built someday. We'll see. <laughs> that is true, or King Thanos, or whatever. King Thanos. There you yeah. go. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, thank you so much, Tony. This was an absolute blast. Um, as we exit, uh, what do you what do you have to plug for us? Escape from Vault Disney. You can uh, listen to every episode wherever podcasts aren't sold. Um, as you listen to this episode, I'm, I'm currently in the throes of Patreon request month, which has been slightly delayed. Originally wanted to do it in August, had to push it to September for various personal reasons. Uh, by the time you hear this, I will definitely have released an episode on Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves, yeah. the 1997 a direct-to-video movie um, that that continued the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, franchise. And I may or may not be finished with an episode on the 2007 Underdog movie, uh, which is which is the next one after Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. I can't promise that that episode is out yet, but, uh, but we'll see. Uh, That's with uh, Jason Lee, right? Yeah, Jason yeah. Lee as the voice of Underdog. Not even trying to do a Wally Cox impression. <laughs> that the the 2007 Underdog movie is basically exactly what you what you'd expect if you fed 2007 Underdog movie into ChatGPT or something. It's pretty generic but someone re- actually two different people requested it and the randomizer picked it so we're covering it on patreon request month oh well uh, did they want to torture you or did they actually like it 
I don't know. That's the thing. I can't always tell. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you once again. Thank you so much. Uh, As for us, uh, we're going to be going on hiatus. I will be going on a two-week vacation, uh, but uh, we will be back in the middle of October. uh, And we may or may not have a little bonus episode uh, for you in the meantime there. Uh, But before, uh, until then, please follow us on social media on twitter at unbuilt pod you can reach me at open mother's mail and ryan dorman at open the doorman feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and rate us wherever you find this podcast we currently have a ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash unbuiltpod for three dollars a month you can get bonus episodes and for five dollars a month you can get your name right on the show we'd like to thank our current contributor joseph and tone please write a review and tell us how we're doing and if you don't like us thank you for listening to the dcl podcast i'm steve crease see you guys bye Goodbye, Sherry Bobbins. Thanks for everything. So long, Superman. Do you think we'll ever see her again? I'm sure we will, honey. I'm sure we will.